0: This is Bunkhouse Bible Study Week 1. The book that we are using is called Walking as Jesus Walked, Making Disciples the Way Jesus Did by Dan Spader. You can pick up the book on Amazon or eBay, at least that's where I, I got mine off of Amazon. The This is being run by John, and uh, so he kind of takes us over, and at the very beginning, for some reason... The very beginning of this week, for some reason the uh, the audio was cut off, so we kind of jump right into it. But uh, you should be able to pick it up here in you know a couple minutes, and it'll make sense. Hope you enjoy it.
1: Being born in a Christian household, um, it, it what it meant was that I went to church on Wednesday night, I went to youth group on Sunday morning, and then we followed it up with church service. And pretty much for the re- remainder of my life, I was a part of some sort of uh, worship service or church. And, and when I met Mrs. Goya, who's the most, most faithful person I've ever met, I mean, I've never met another. You can't, she's just, she had to be faithful. She's going to stick around with me. Um, but for the, for, for the majority of the first um, 15, 17 years of our marriage, Um, it was Sunday mornings, dragging me to church, making, you know, finding other excuses. And and so I felt myself as a Christian that I was in church on Sundays and I was doing the right thing by my family. And one day um, after um, I'm sitting here walking around my house and I was looking for something, I I don't even remember what it was. And I opened a drawer I'd never opened before ever. I just opened this drawer and inside of it was about 25 books. And the books were um, uh, all centered around um, how do you, how are you a Christian wife to a unbelieving husband? How do you, you know, how do you love your spouse when your spouse doesn't love Jesus? And I'm sitting here and I started reading these and it broke me. It shattered me that my wife had had faith and walked with Jesus for so many years with me where I'm not living, uh, uh, not living a, uh, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a bad person, right? I mean, you can, you can be a good person, but there's a huge difference between being a faithful person and being a person who has the humility and the grace, um, and 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 a focus on Jesus and a desire to um, take that and and transpose that thought in, into action, and it started me on um, a pretty introspective journey, um, one where um, church for me has, it's just, it's become a, it's become a place of worship. It's a place we like to go to on Sundays. It's, you know, they always got the music and they do the fun stuff and you hear a really nice rewarding message, but my transition flipped hundred percent where I have decided that I wanted to live a life on the other six days of the week that reflected faith. And I, I realized that, um, and, and those of you that know me outside of this space or on Twitter, or you've heard me speak before. Um, I, I have been given I think a gift to be able to speak to people. And um, part of that was, was years ago, I used to think that I could just say something to people and they should just believe it. And I realized that my gift was also my flaw. And my flaw was that I needed to, instead of talking about it, I needed to live it. And so for me, my journey has been changing my lifestyle, changing my priorities, focusing on my wife, focusing on my kids, and changing what I felt uh, the val- like the values that I was looking for in life were completely the opposite values that I should have been looking for. And it's been a family transition and one that I am on every day. I am I, I I am not here to preach to anybody. I'm not here to um, tell you guys that I know how to do this the right way because I got a lot more stories of doing it wrong than I do right. Those are my highlights. The rest of everything that I've got to say are disappointment and uh, failure and um, uh, being in a place. Where I am not a reflection of of the person that I hope to be. So when Braxton and I are talking about this, right, and and I had shared this I had shared this with him um, a, a while ago, and Braxton and I we've talked about faith and we've talked about sort of what it looks like in today's world and 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 the the, the you know we're we're in a chaotic time, right? I mean this is you know Joe's sitting here we're talking about who's going to invade who tonight and you can permeate and think and worry and I do it for my job I literally do nothing but game theory this stuff. 23 hours of the day and I have to convince myself and I do, I have to make myself, I have to say, okay, what am I trying to get out of this? I'm trying to find value in Jesus because no matter who invades who, no matter, no matter what happens tomorrow, no matter if our lights go off, no matter if we get fired from our jobs, no matter if we have a kid that gets cancer or a neighbor that, that, that dies or no matter what happens on this planet, there is one thing that can never be taken from us, and that is going to be our faith. And it's the it's one of the least things that we focus on. We focus on all of the intangibles, all of the things that are not going to uh, provide us true comfort, it's not the true water, it's not the true bread, it's not the things that make us whole and fill us up. So the idea with that, and I, I told, I've been in a men's group here in town. I moved up to Kentucky um, last fall and I joined a men's group. We meet at six o'clock in the morning and, and the guy, the men's minister at this church and I, we had, we, we were talking. And, and I told him kind of what my idea was. And he said, I got it. I got it. He goes, my friend is this author, Dan Spader. And he wrote this book. And he said, exactly what you're talking about is, is you need to get into this and you need to see what Jesus, the man was about. And He said, you know, he goes, you can point, he goes, our society can pick anybody, whether it's a supermodel or an athlete or um, Braxton or uh, pick somebody in your life that you look up to and you you admire. And they all have endearing qualities. They all have qualities that are um, um, uh, things to emulate, but there's only one person who did it right in everything that he did, everything that he touched, everything he talked about, every response he had to criticism, every Um, you know, every challenge that was put before him, he did it right. And for us, it was recorded. And, 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 you know, um, as we get into this, that's my goal for myself, because I'm not, I'm not looking at this as I'm going to teach this to you guys. I need you guys to teach me. I'm looking forward to it. I know everyone in here is going to have questions and they're going to, they're going to be looking for the same type things that I am. And, And I'm not capable of getting out of it myself without you guys. And so um, so that's our goal going forward. And so I'd like to go ahead and get into it um, really quickly with just a, just a couple things as we go forward. So um, we're on Zoom. And so um, and I know people are going to want to talk and interject. And I really hope you do. I, I literally I can't sit up here and, and do this by myself. So I want people to interject. Um, but let's if I'm not talking, I'm going to go to mute and I want somebody else to talk and let's not interrupt each other and let's um, and, and let's let's be orderly. Uh, two, if you get to a point where you do disagree with someone's opinion, I, I absolutely think that's going to happen. It should happen. We should disagree with each other and we should put each other on, on, on we should challenge each other, and not only in faith, but in family and the way we live our lives. And if we have more people that hold us accountable, we become better. We become better Christians. We become better fathers. We become uh, better community members. Um, and speaking of which, this becomes a community. This is a community for the next 10 weeks. That if you if you know and not everybody's going to make it every week and that's fine and Braxton's recording these we're going to put them up in the bunkhouse Um, we've got several people who can't be here who are going to do the study with us via the recordings Um, that being said um, as we do go forward and we put these up in the bunkhouse I'm going to start either tonight when we get done or tomorrow I'm going to do a new forum link a new forum topic and I'm I think I'm going to call it bunkhouse session one bunkhouse Bible study session one. And instead of gauging the interest and, and a 90-thing thread of ordering books, um, Monday night should be a recap and question and answer and uh, of this. But, you know, the 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day that it takes for five days to get through these, that's when you get questions. I'd like us to engage in there. Um, it's hard to do it alone. It's hard not to be able to bounce things off of each other um, and, and, and somebody will always be available to either answer or, or, or talk. Um, that, that being said, does anybody, does anybody have any questions or any ideas or any thoughts that they'd like to start before, uh, before, before I'm going to say a quick prayer and get us going?
2: I guess um, <clears throat> just the general format, uh, cause I literally uh, bought the book five minutes ago um, or thereabouts. Uh, so I don't know if we're supposed to like starting from this point, we're doing week one, after tonight or how that was going to work. I'm sure we're going to go over that eventually, but that's
3: just, well, look,
1: I, I, I thought about that at length and because of the, um, because of the amount of, uh, people getting books and signing up late, I do want to, I do want to get into it tonight. I don't, I don't want to talk about it tonight. I want to, I want to talk about about him tonight a little bit, um, and, 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 and get after it. But that, that being said, here's what I think we should do. I think we get into it. And if you, and here's the thing, um, The book and the first week of the book is really designed about, it's really, really walks around a few cases, um, where Jesus talks, right. And it just identifies sort of what does he look like and how do you view that in your own life? It's pretty, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's a good, it's a really good start before we get into heavier topics in the book. So we'll get into it tonight. Um, you know, you you know, I got my Bible. Um, I'm always willing to open up my Bible and 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 talk about it. So let's start there and go forward. And what we'll do next week is we will do, we'll start with a real quick recap of week one. We'll keep it to ten minutes, question and answer, just to make sure everybody's caught up, and then we dive straight into week two. Anybody else?
0: So just to be clear procedurally, I think um, you're wanting after tonight we'll all read, uh, the, uh, the first week and then communicate yep. via forums. And then next Monday yep. we'll recap and a communication and, or a back and forth and so on.
1: Yeah. And then we'll get in and, and, we should, and what I would like to have happen is have week one and week two done by next week that gets everybody caught up to week two. So, Not so true. go through week two next week, week one, week two, get them done. Let's get through them and let's start talking. And, um, uh, and we'll say we'll communicate in the forums and, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't expect everybody, uh, we all, we all have commitments, right. And, um, we, we all get bogged down. I'm going to make a commitment to be here. I'm saying that, but I have a pretty wild life and there may be a Monday where I may be saying and you're leading or Joe, Hey, can you cover for me? Sure. Um, I don't anticipate that because I've planned ahead, but things happen and it's a pretty wild world. So we'll just, we'll, we'll do that. Um, and for, this, i don't think is,
0: for what it's worth i don't think week one of week two is too much to ask if that's what we're saying i think i think we can do that
1: no it's pretty quick i you know i got through them you know i got through them i got through them pretty quick and and they, and, and and you can take it as deep as you want i mean you could you can make we could make a dissertation out of the first five verses that 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 it asks you to read but um for, for the sake of getting through Bible studies, if we get bogged down in it, it we'll never get through it. We, we'll be seven weeks in talking about week three. So we're going to move through it and we'll get through it. So we'll start a recap tonight. of I will start into uh, week one tonight, have week one and week two uh, read by next Monday night. And that will really allow us to all get into it. And for the people who have just ordered books or weren't able to participate tonight, it gets everybody caught up. Um, any other ideas? Any other thoughts? All right, let's get into it. I, I, I wanted to do something uh, before we started tonight, other than me talking. Um, you know, Joe, when he came on, we were talking. You know, it's a big today. Today is a today's a, a it's a changing day in our in our world, right? We're on the brink of another war, and a lot of people have have who've experienced this and been through it understand that the uh, potential for this to escalate and it's going to be on people's minds and there's going to be uh, men and women around the, the, the world starting you know i guess last night that are going to be losing kids um uh, other than i'm going to open up with prayer i'm going to include you know praying for our leaders in the world but um is there anybody in here that tonight does need or would like this group to send up a shout out um uh, to the lord for anything uh, I, I i have one um my family's been transitioning. We spent 120 days trying to buy a place that fell apart. We made a 180 degree turn and I signed a contract to buy a new place, which is not at all what we intended to do. It's radically different. Um, and and it's been a bit of a bit of kick in the teeth. And if y'all just, you know, my prayer that I ask for me is that, um, uh, you pray that I just keep my faith and, and, and follow where he's pointing me and walking through the doors that he opens for me, which is the way exactly what I feel happens.
4: You know, I know a family that's that's literally in the line of fire tonight. The Hetman family uh, lives there in southeast Ukraine. So um, I, I think not necessarily specifically for them, but all of you as you're as you're putting out some prayers today. There are people who live there. There are folks with children. There are folks who go to work there. Let's think about them, right? I don't
5: think
6: we need. You muted. Huh?
7: the verse that came to my head just thinking about wars is uh, Matthew 24 uh, 6 um, which is you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Uh, but you uh, but but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but uh, in the end, uh, but the end is still to come. A nation will rise against the nation, a kingdom against the kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things, uh or all things are uh the beginning of birth pains and i I think that that's six or eight um it's hard to have like an eternal kingdom kind of mindset uh with all this stuff but it's 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 brutally important you know and I'll, i'll pray for those families and for you have what they um with the, with the settling your family stuff, that's hard. I know that we kind of uprooted our family this last year and a half and it's, it's difficult, uh, but yeah.
1: Appreciate you. Anybody else before we get going, I kick us off?
8: I just hope everybody can say a prayer for uh, those
9: in Canada with everything going on. I, I myself have four sisters, uh, parents both in long-term care up there. I don't know when or if I'll ever see them again. Uh, for various reasons, but uh I know there's a lot of evil things going on there and I, I just really hope
5: they they find some some hope soon. It's a good one. All want
1: right, gonna kick us off. Uh Lord, we uh uh we we thank you um and and we're we're humbled and um uh, grateful that you've brought this ragtag group of people together to um, uh, form a community and study your word. Uh, Lord, we ask that you, that you look over the Hetman family and we ask that you look over all of the families that are um, uh, in, in getting ready to be in harm's way. Um, most of them, the vast majority of them didn't ask for it. And uh, we pray that you uh, work your will and work your light across that part of this world and keep people safe and uh, possibly uh, convince some cooler heads to prevail. Lord, we, we reach out to our brothers and sisters north of the border. And we, um, we, we empathize with their fight and we ask that you have a hand in uh, all of their hearts and all of their souls and that you can uh, reach down and, and, and touch the uh, touch the people that are the most affected. And in in any country uh, today, that's being, Put having oppression and being uh, uh, having heavy-handed uh, authoritarian leaders on them. Um, we know that we know that we only answer to you, and we would ask that you would help this group of people here to be able to be a light in their community, touch one another, and touch the people around us with your word. And that and that that's it. Amen. So uh, the gist the gist of this book is, and and, and those of you that have gotten through it, um, I'm going to just touch on it a little bit. And so, uh, what the author here is, is is saying is, look, there's there's two Jesuses, right? There's not two Jesuses, but there's two ways to look at Jesus. You can read the book, and you can hear the gospel, and you can know who Jesus was, and you can quote the scriptures, and you can, re, you know, talk about the parables, and you can relive the miracles, and you can outline it. But what he's talking about is um, understanding the internal side of Jesus and trying to extrapolate what Jesus did in situations and the way his thought process worked with the people around us and how we translate it um, in, into our own lives so that we can also be a person that people look at as, as having that, the same light that Jesus had. And, you know, for me, one of the cop outs I I think I I find is that is that we are sinners and that we are broken and that we are all looking for um you know we're all looking at it as being like oh okay well I can ask for forgiveness you know I get angry at my kids I I I bang on my horn at the lady at at the store I reply to somebody who's who's posted something negative to me and I put it um I, I put it up there um uh, put it out there for the world to see my anger. And I feel like I've, I've put them in their place and, and I catch, I do it myself, right? I, I, I you can't help it. Um, and so what we started with in here um, um, basically starting in Matthew four, actually the the book starts in on day one, it really runs through Matthew. Um, and it talks about what Jesus was doing with certain people and how he interacted in certain situations. And the first, the first, um, the first verse that, that it asks you to go into is, uh, the first one's Matthew four, seven, Matthew four, seven, and I'm not going to go through all of these and I would like other people to interject as well, but just to kick it off. So one of the things that, that I find is that when it gives me a verse to read, I like to get the context and I like to look around it and in Matt in Matthew four, seven, it's really talking about the temptation that, that, that Jesus had, um, four, seven exactly is, Jesus is responding. The scriptures say you must not test your Lord. Um, or, sorry, 4 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is telling us to do something, right? He's, 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 he's saying, look, you're a sinner but you have to turn from him and you need to find a different outlet where to put your focus. And he's saying, you need to put it in, 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 into God. And from the very beginning, he's pleading with people to repent and find their faith. He's saying, look, you need to turn away from the, the earthly things, um, the earthly things in your life. And the idea for me is that it, 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 in the, It was an urgent plea, right? Which basically is saying the end of when your options are, it's going to run out soon. And it applies to all of our lives. When none of us know when the end is, none of us know when it's our last day on earth. And what Jesus is saying is your choice today is to make the decision to have a different thought and focus in your life. And if you focus it on God and you do it every day, then you don't have to worry about time anymore. Um, that focus gives you, uh, puts you in the connection and puts you in the place with Jesus and God at the same time. And all of the other things around you can fall away. That's my take on it. I don't know if anybody else has a thought or if anybody else has gone through this yet, um, what they, yeah. what their thoughts are.
4: I got, I got a quick point for everyone. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me just say this really fast and I got out of the way. Um, but repenting does not just mean stopping. Right. So if I'm doing bad things, it's not enough to just stop. Repent. It's like Tony Evans describes it best. If you're lost, you can't just get off the highway and you're okay. You need to get off the highway, cross over, get back on the highway and go in the other direction. So repentance is more than just saying, I'm going to stop doing that. That was my thought.
8: I had a slightly different take on it. I don't know. So I, I kind of read 416 and then 417 together. And it talks about um, basically how the shadow of death is over him at 416. When it gets into 417, he's basically saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To me, I think I took it more as a, if you do repent your sins, you were immediately welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't something you had to build up to. Because like historically the richest people who are the most divine at that period right so to me it was more of a you don't have to build up to become you know one with heaven you uh, repent your sins and you're immediately welcomed in so that's kind of how i took it
4: yeah that's solid all right,
3: take... all right. But yeah how i understand the concept of the kingdom of heaven i kind of view it a lot like uh finding joy constantly in doing god's will um, my generation, we grew up playing video games. So for me, I kind of have it kind of a gamer mentality. Kind of like if you're playing like uh, Guitar Hero or something, you you want to hit the notes at the right time, and you find joy when you're able to. Thing is, there are things that distract you. So, and going on to the one of the main goals in life seems to be. To know the truth, the God of truth who gives what is absolutely sure and be able to consistently follow his commands through distractions and painful things all the way through to spreading the word and providing a good service to fellow man in the joy of God.
6: I'll add one more thing um, I think that you know when we hear that the the kingdom of God is near um, I don't think that that speaks to time as much as it does to proximity um, I think that it speaks to where it's supposed to be which is in here you know and this is speaking of living a Christ-centered life and a life that follows the model of Jesus Christ and it speaks to the the kingdom of God being within us and the way that we we live out that life on a daily basis, the way that we model that for our children. And I don't think it speaks to time. You know, we, when I was younger, I always thought that it spoke that, you know, the, the, the kingdom of God, you know, the, the, the resurrection or not the resurrection, but, um, you know, going into heaven was going to happen any moment. I don't think it speaks to that. I, th- I think that it really does address that we need to have this in our hearts and have our hearts drive us on a daily basis in terms of the way that we act the way that we engage with other people, the way that we live out our lives on a daily basis.
10: Uh, Just quickly, it's worth remembering that everybody Christ was speaking to at that time uh, was um, brought up under a covenant almost of works you know doing sacrifices and following the rules that's that was the way so he's bringing in a completely new uh covenant with uh with the people and probably that's part of his urgency when he's uh when he's talking to these people Well, I think we're off to a good start, fellas. Um, doesn't get much better than this. And so
1: to move through it, um, uh, I, I, I moved past the 619 just for the sake of getting through these. The next one that I, that I was interested in the most, um, and we can go talk about any of these you all want, and anybody is welcome to jump in and talk about which ones. But uh, further down on the second page, the third one down is Matthew 10, 37 through 39. And this one strikes, this one just, this one struck me. And uh, I actually, it's the most, it's the most I've written out. Um, It was the most I've written out in, uh, in, in, in in all of them so far in week, in week one. And so in Matthew 10, 37 through 39, we're looking at, uh, where are we here? If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of mine, of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, you will find it. I mean, that speaks to every one of us all day, every day. And, uh, it, it speaks to me in, in, in the relationships that, that I've had until I, until I found a relationship with Jesus, a real relationship with Jesus, I had a hard time having a relationship with the people that I loved more. And, um, I didn't, but the, the, the trick was I loved them more, but I loved, I didn't love them in, in, in a Christ, Christ manner, right? It flip-flopped how I loved and what I loved and in the focus that I had on, on, on Putting my focus on Jesus has allowed me to love people better.
2: Um, any other thoughts? Uh, so slight fun fact. Um, when I was younger, there was a youth conference that would come through, um, my particular region. And we thought it was funny because they sold a shirt that said loser. And on the back was that specific Bible verse, the, um, the Matthew ten thirty nine: whoever loses his life will find it. Uh, so it was always fun to get laughed at. because People saw your shirt that said loser. And then once they saw the back kind of like, Oh, and walked away. Um, but no, I think that's um, to kind of cover another view uh, of that particular verse. Um, it, It's hard to remember that sometimes too, right? Because everything we have here in front of us on earth is very much tangible. Like we, we, you know, obviously we see parents, friends, family, you know, everything that we love in front of us. Um, So maybe sometimes it's a little tricky or difficult where we might, you know, feel a different kind of love or a more intense love for those things because are right in front of us when it's we need to remember the fact that we have a, a man such as jesus who literally came down and, and died for us um you know something too we we're talking about because i just came from a small group uh before this uh and we just got done covering the lord's prayer, and that was one of those things we we're talking about um where uh it's hard for us to remember to kind of ask for the small things because we're so focused on on the, the the big things right around us um and one of the issues I brought up, I said, I have a hard time asking for the smaller things because I, I think that I can handle it. I can, you know, my, my perspective is totally different. Um, so I just think it's uh, it, it's tricky and difficult to remember sometimes.
4: I think, too, that that in order for us really to uh, to experience it like, like like we've been talking about is you do have to die to, to yourself. So um, I, I know that Paul over there is in one of my Bible studies, and, 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 I, and I tell this story all the time. When I thought that I was doing the right thing and I was chasing the money and I was had my own business that was doing great, I thought I was the one, the architect of that success. And it took me destroying all of that and losing it all and dying to it to realize that none of that had been for me. It had all been from God. And the minute that I started to feel like I'm the one in control here and I'm the one doing things, um, that's when it fell off the rails. But when I I'm now realizing, you know what, it's all God. And if I die to my own desires of what I want to be and I do what he wants me to do, life gets immensely better. It's really that simple. It's dying to yourself and dying to everything else. Just like Jesus talks about here.
10: I I found it interesting reading this particular passage as well. That uh, I, I think Jesus must have gleaned some, real insight into our humanity because I notice he doesn't mention the wives specifically in here. And and I think God must have a little bit of a sense of humor. that <laughs> we don't have to explain to our wives why we need to love him more than them. So that was kind of interesting and funny. I think
8: one thing for me going through, so I have a large study Bible. And I'm King James, so it's a little... Difficult for me to go through it sometimes, but um, one of the notes that it has in here too is it, it talks about how the passage about taking up your cross uh, can get taken two of one of two ways. One of them is the very literal version of you're going to take up a cross and do the march to crucifixion and die so when you get into 39 it's literally talking about if you're dying for his sake you know obviously you're one of you know you're his um but it's also all of those other crosses that we have the the demons we have in our you know in our lives the skeletons we have in our closet that kind of thing um are also the crosses that we take up so uh, you could read it probably about five different ways from five different people and get it. But it all, y'all kind of end up in the same exact spot is, you know, he's the pinnacle of it all.
3: Uh, one thing that comes to mind for me that really makes it more palatable is just, if you don't have the truth, then when you're trying to love and bless others, you could be harming them and make things more difficult for them. So if you think, vegetable oil and seed oil are very healthy and insist that your kids have it Well, you're making things bad for them and you're disconnected from truth so it's important to stay connected to the truth and god's the god of truth and source of all truth
5: i can get behind almost all of that uh in in my heart of hearts where i have a hard time is the uh you know love love god more than my children and I can lose a lot of sleep over that particular verse.
0: Lucas, can I jump in here? Um, as, um, let me just hit you with an anecdote here. Cause I, am a person that struggles a lot with faith. Um, I, uh, about five years ago or so I was training for an ultra marathon and I started having some chest pain stuff and, Pretty durable, and so I don't really worry too much about that. But I asked my mother-in-law, who's been a medic for like 30 years, if I should go get checked on, and she's pretty hardy. And she said, Yeah, like you you should go get that looked at. So I wouldn't got it looked at. Um, and my my son, I guess so, so it'd be not quite four years, uh five years ago now, it'd be like four and a half years ago. My first son was just born, he was like uh maybe three months old at the time. And I went and got it looked at and they said, you got a heart attack. And I was, um, so I was like, what, 31 years old or whatever. Uh, it's pretty like troubling. I was running six to 12 miles a day. You know I mean? I was like in peak physical health and they said I had a heart attack. I was having like a hard time figuring all this out. And I had been a, uh, I had definitely been a unbeliever for quite some time, like trying to find my way back to God and all of this. But uh, it was just really struggling uh, a lot of it because of verses like this, to be honest with you. Um, so I sat in that hospital bed for like 12 hours, you know, because once they, they figure out that you had a heart attack, they keep you there forever and they're just drawing blood and making sure it wasn't a heart attack that happened 10 minutes ago and so on and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, long story short, it actually, it ended up that I hadn't had a heart attack. It's just that I had been, I have a scar on my heart from getting hit in the plate. Uh, But they didn't know that at the time. Anyway, that night I went home and I was laying in bed and holding my son's hand, who was just born, uh, like, say, a couple months old. And uh, uh, I was having a um, I got out of bed and uh, I hadn't prayed and I couldn't tell you how long, man, a decade at least. And uh, I just got on my knees and said, thank you, because as frustrated and sad as I was that I, you know, at the time I thought I was probably going to die young, I realized that I would have never had that moment ever if it wasn't for God saving me um, when I had got wounded. So I had 12 years of bullshit in between you know of of my own doing in between getting wounded and that moment and I had taken every bit of that for granted uh so I think that for me anecdotally uh when I read that um I take it more as like I wouldn't even have the ability to love my kids the way that I do if it were not for God giving me the opportunity to have it you know to have that time you know what I mean Oh, man, that's powerful, man. Thank you. That's that's
4: that's it.
5: That, that's a little tough to, to follow, Braxton. And, um, I just think, and I know it can be cheesy when we think of self-care, but we'll hear stories like you can't give out of a glass that's half full, right? Like we get out of abundance. And that's kind of how I take this scripture. It's not about... That I'm neglecting my family, um, but the more that that I'm in tune with Jesus and following him and trying to love him, I actually love my family more, and and that's kind of how I try to look at it. So it's it, it seems a little bit counterintuitive, but the more that I can latch on to Jesus, I'm actually being more of those other things. It's, I, I don't know if I look at it right, but that's how I try to see it
10: kind of a real world example, um, that I think maybe we've all seen or, or in some fashion seen it play out. Um, but you know, I think of parents who know their kids are making terrible choices and not living in the word, not serving God and, and, and openly disobeying the commands of God, uh, and rather than take the chance of, losing relationship with the child, they, they tend to dismiss God's word and, and I've seen it a lot. And when you do that, you're condemning yourself and them. Um, and I think to me, that's what this scripture kind of points at is if you're not doing what's best, excuse me, for your kids, um, which is showing them the way showing them how to live for God. Um, You're not only condemning yourself, but you're condemning them. Uh, And in that way, we all have to put God first in order to put our family in a position to be able to put him first also. So that's kind of the way I read it. Pretty
1: powerful stuff. I mean, um, the hardest thing in today's world is to find a connection outside of the internet and um work relationships that has a deep meaning and if 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 you if you can surrender to jesus you can surrender the rest of it if you can't surrender to jesus you ain't gonna be able to surrender to, to, to pretty much anything else. It, 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 it's just too hard. It's captivating. It is, uh it grips you. And, and like everyone has said, it really hampers the way you can love the people around you. Um, I'm going to move on, um, to the next one so we can dig in. Then this is actually the next one. This one was the, the Mark 1045. Um, So Jesus was teaching. Uh, he was talking with, um, he's talking with James and John and they're, they're getting into, um, they're talking, there's baptism. And it's the question of, uh, you know, should I get baptized? Not going to get baptized. And as it goes down and as he ends out the verse, he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, you know, for me, the heart of faith is 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 that verse, right? For me, it, it in most 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 people don't know my whole story, but I, I mean, I I spent the the first you know forty one years of my life chasing for me. Um, that was it. The end all be all was like Joe said earlier. I I've, I've I I want to say that I was blessed. Um, but I was blessed with the wrong things. And so I don't really count them as blessings. I count them as me figuring out a way to, to, to get earthly things. And, and until I decided, but what I, what I viewed as success, once I was able to change that, my perspective on everything changed. And I've gone from nothing about me other than my faith with God, uh, my family and, and in looking for ways to serve to serve others. And for me, the hardest part is figuring out how to be of service to people, because I, it's not a habit to me. It's not something that I'm good at. I, um, I, I, I I am not a natural servant. I'm not a person who says, um, I mean, I open doors. I help old ladies. I help my wife. I do the dishes at my house every single night, but that's not service. Service is Um, being a part of programs that, that like my wife, she, 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 for years ran a middle school mentorship program in the worst schools in Houston, Texas, like schools that, you know, 40 old white women can't, white women can't walk into. And she's in there every week that service. And so I've had to redefine what service is for me and I'm still going through it. I, I think about it every day. Like what else can I be doing to be better? And that's the heart of it right there. That guy's the king and he's only here to serve and I'm here and I'm not a king and I want to be a better servant, and I focus on it almost every day and fail a
10: lot. Honestly, I think uh, for me, and not, not specifically speaking about this study, but this group as a whole, that's, that's one of the things that really drew me to it uh, is that it's an opportunity where we can all serve someone. Um, we can all put everything else aside uh, for a little bit and be un, un you know, unselfish and, and give back to someone. And, uh, and uh, I think, I think this Bible study is kind of a natural progression of this whole group. Uh, and I'm thankful for it. So.
2: Just to kind of, uh, <clears throat> hop on that point. Um, I met with my pastor of this church I've been going to for a couple of years now. Uh, I've struggled pretty bad with anxiety for the past, uh, probably around 10 years. Um, and still, I still struggle with it day in day out. Um, but one of the things he said in my meeting was that something I really needed to, f- to focus on um, is to work on serving and serving others. And he said, once you start to do that, you will feel so much better about everything. And I was like, well, that's kind of an odd thing. I didn't really you know, think that was going to help much with my situation, but um, I've gotten a little more involved in my church. Um, and I've tried to every every day at least try to every day go out a little bit extra and and see what else I can do to 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 serve someone else um and he's right uh it's it's it feels so much better to to help others um and I find that serving others helps me think less about myself which in turn actually helps my anxiety but the fact of the matter is um he just got off of a sermon where or a sermon series where, uh, the past couple weeks he's talking about, we are meant to bring forth God's kingdom here to earth as Christians. Um, we are meant to serve others and to be a light for others to see. Um, and I'm sure that was relevant. Somehow my train just derailed at the station. So I apologize, but I'll, I'll get off the soapbox now.
8: I think one of, so one of the other verses that we had, we talked about or the book goes through is Matthew nine, 12 and 13. And so we're all imperfect. We know we're imperfect. We all have flaws. I am one of the most selfish human beings you have ever met in your entire life, whether you know it or not, I am terrible. I fight every day trying to figure out what to do. That's not about me. It's hard. Um, But that was the one thing, especially like with this group, I think one of the reasons why this is going to be good so we're all kind of start from the same spot. We all know we're, have some, something broken in us. Everybody does. Uh, we all know that we're imperfect. One great thing about this group. And I preach about it all the time. There's no egos. Um, and that in nine twelve, that's one thing that, you know, Jesus is seeking out. Sin. He's not trying to convert people who are already good Christians. He's trying to find the people that aren't. Um, so to me, it kind of it's just a sense of belonging. I know I'm a busted up human. It is it is what it is. But that's why some people, I think, don't go to church. It's like, well, those are too good. Those guys are the goody goodies. They're too good. No, no, no. God's looking for Jesus in particular for the broken ones. And uh, so that's why we need to be together. So that's what I, I took out of that part for this week.
9: Um, just to kind of add on that, uh, what Steve said, uh, for me, something I've really recently. I've started to come to terms with is like, before we can serve, we have to accept what is broken about us and acknowledge that, you know, God designed us very purposefully and intentionally. Um, and, and there's nothing about us that he can't make perfect. Uh, we just have to be honest with ourselves of what is broken about us. And and, if, and once we do that, and I'm, I'm getting to a point to where I, I, you know, I'm beginning to do that. Uh, he can take that brokenness and use it in incredible ways, and it's such a freeing experience just to acknowledge it, uh, be honest about what that you know what those things you're struggling with are, know that they're put there for a reason, and that you know once brought into the life, that's the things that he's going to use you for. Um, it it definitely opens up, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's freeing, and it opens up a world of possibilities of being able to use things that it's so burdensome otherwise.
11: Well, the theme that I'm seeing in here, um, both in the previous passages and then here in Mark, um, it's, it's sacrifice. Uh, God, the father made a sacrifice sending Christ into our realm. Christ made a sacrifice by freely choosing to come here and serve and then give his life up for us. Um, we have no way of getting to the father, but through the son and the son being the ultimate example of sacrifice and service. You know, we, we, we are compelled by our faith, by our desire to follow, to perform similar acts. Um, It's all throughout scripture. You know, we see it again in Timothy and Corinthians, you know, Paul is, you know, writing to the, the early church and, and calling for these types of acts of service, not to just, uh, occur in the leadership, but throughout the church and, uh, you know, primarily on the least of the, of the, of the members, you know, the least of the groups of these families, you know, the widows, the, uh, the orphans, things like that. We are supposed to humble ourselves to the point of being below these people as far as status and society goes. And, uh, so that we can, we can raise them up in a, in a manner of speaking as Christ is, is, has raised, has raised us up in a manner of speaking through our, through our faith and through his sacrifice of his blood.
6: You know, I think this is a lot about priorities. Um, I think it's pretty easy to to wake up and focus on the family, to focus on the job, uh, to focus on all the things of the world. And yet we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's one of the things that, you know, when when you get to the end of, of you know, some of the, the, the days here, as you go through the first week, it asks you what's the most challenging. And I found that that is it for me, is to be. To be humble, um, to put God first, and understand that when I put Him first, then everything else that I do is going to follow from that. To be able to put aside the the trappings of this world that are so enticing, you know. And I think a lot of you have touched on that tonight. I think this is something that we can all probably relate to, and to really understand that the very first priority that we have to have is our relationship with Him, and that once we have that, and once we start to work on that, and once we start to pray on a daily basis to be in communication with God to be in in conversation with him throughout the day that the rest of the things that are in our lives that are of value to us our family and so on and so forth those things will start to fall in line and it's not until we can have that relationship with him that that we can truly start to bless the people that are in our lives
4: let me um illustrate that with a quick story um about dying to the world and doing what God wants you to do instead. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I know a lot of you already do. Uh, I, I'm Joe Dolio, I'm the author of the uh, the Tactical Wisdom book series. So, as I was coming up around Christmas time on finishing book three, a lot of fans were asking for it, and I've been getting all kinds of emails about how the books, while they talk about preparedness, I put the Bible verses in there, and it brought so many people back to the Bible. But I'm also a security consultant, and um, We're doing a lot of trust in here, so I'm going to give you guys a little piece of trust info. It's not to be shared outside of here, but I'm Steven Crowder's bodyguard, if you guys watch the Steven Crowder show. So anyway, um, I had this opportunity for another big contract, similar, good name, good money, good money. So I was juggling my schedule to chase the dollars of the world, right? But all these different things kept happening, and, and I rearranged my schedule a few times, but I kept pushing this book back that had God's word in it. And so that Friday, I was like, you know what? Something just doesn't feel right. And and of course, my wife, she's in the back of the house. She's not going to throw something at me right now. But she was like, you really need to finish the book because that's more important. Guys, when your wife tells you to do something, what's your first reaction? I know I'm the man, right? So I kept chasing this thing. But that Friday, I said, listen, God, give me a sign. Which, Which is the right thing to do? Is it just this new security project or is it to finish your book? And God's not going to call you up on the phone and say, hey, listen, you need to stop chasing the world and do this. You know, he's going to put circumstances in your life. So that Monday they called me and they said, hey, listen, uh, the budget for this new project didn't get approved. we got to put it off until sometime next year. That's God whispering that, you know what, stop chasing the world. Live for my kingdom. So, so from that, I've taken it to where I'm leading three Bible studies a week. we cranked out that book. We're cranking out book four. And it's having an actual impact. Nope, I'm not making the dollars that I could have, but I'm making impact in people's lives. But it's not really me. It's God. And once we set aside ourselves, that death to self and and stop living for the world and stop saving up treasure uh, for this earth, um, that's when we start to actually bear fruit in our lives. And then the other things will all come. So all these different verses speak right to that, man. This is a pretty cool study. No, thanks, Joe.
7: Um,
1: sorry, I'm sorry.
7: I'm good. I was just going to say thanks for that word, man. I, I've had having a verse that I've been sitting on for the last 10 minutes. I want to say it's kind of, I think, goes along with all this stuff. But it, it popped in my mind a little bit ago. And I'll let you, let you go uh, have. Uh, so it's uh, the Romans 125 where it says they exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things instead of the created God who is, or sorry, so the creator who's forever phrased amen, and that I feel like is such a big thing, it's like, it's like you worship things that you can see, the, the created things, it's like, there's this theory, um, or not theory, I guess it's kind of like a theology or book, uh, I think it's called Unceasing Worship, and I can't remember who wrote it now, um, but essentially the idea is that like, we're kind of like a hose that's always on, and like worship is, we're kind of like pouring ourselves out into whatever we're pointed at, and like it's not like we just get to choose to turn the hose off. Like we have to like point it at something. And in the you know in the Bible here we're like close saying like, hey, we should not point it at these created things, or we will end up, you know, in in, in a very harm harming the thing that we're, they're pointing it out in our, our own spirits, you know, and we'll get, I know I am like, I, like we talked about, you know, living our kids, uh, or, or like not worshiping your, your, kids and your, your family and whatnot. Like that, that is such a tough, tough one for me. You know, you want your kids to go to heaven and be saved. Like that's like the biggest thing for me. Like I want my kids to know God the way I know God, but then you know, it's like the more I cling to them, the, the, the more I destroy it, you know. And anyway, um, the more I try to form them into my idea of who they need to be, the more they are going to rebel against me. Um, but, yeah, I just I think like what how, what does it look like to, yeah, like kind of abide in Christ to worship him first, you know, and what's not created, you know. Anyway, that's that's my thing.
1: I want to add on to that just because, um, earlier somebody, Jay touched on, uh, teenagers. And so my oldest son, when he turned, uh, when he turned 16, he went from, um, he went from being, I mean, very, very faithful, very, uh, I mean, the kid walked with the Lord and, and, um, he turned 16, like we all did. And he met a girl who was as far from faith as you could possibly imagine. And we watched him go down this, this death spiral and it was, it was awful. I mean, the worst part of, of, of our life at the moment, right? I mean, there's always bad things that happen, but it's very painful to watch a child spiral out of control. <clears throat> um, and I, I was so angry. I, I mean, just angry about, having to drag, you know, the, he, we picked him up from his friend's house and he's, he's, he's 16 years old and, and he didn't drive. Um, he had a car, but we wouldn't let him take it on, on Friday nights because of the way his behavior was. And I, and he's like, I don't want to my friend's houses. And he gets in my car, Lisa's sitting next to me. He gets in the back seat. We're talking to him. He sounds normal. And 30 seconds later, he throws up all over the dashboard, the center console, me, the back of the car. And so this is a kid that went from six months before loving and following Jesus to, to, you know, and, and I'm not, I mean, look, I have no, uh, I've never had a crown of saints. All right. I've been in just the same situation he was, but when you're looking at it, but through this, my anger, my anger escalated all just for, for two years, I, I could barely handle it. And my wife, she, <clears throat> she she never really got there and and for her one night we were talking and she's like you're never ever ever going to be able to tell him how to love Jesus and he is never going to see it in you acting like this you're pushing him away you are making him not want to have faith by your actions and your inability to remove yourself from the situation and let god work through you to give him an example of the type of person she's like you're not she goes if it were me I would not want to be you. I don't, you're not reflecting Jesus at all. You're, you're harming the situation. And unfortunately, I was not in a place of, of enough faith that it clicked. It changed my behavior because I trust her and I love her. But I didn't understand that until years later. And, and I told him that. We had a very long discussion about this. His life came back around the circle. He's very engaged. In fact, tonight he called us because he watched our church sermon um, with his roommates in Wyoming. And he's like, oh, it was a great sermon or whatever. And so his life has come back full circle. But I, I confess to him, confess to him how much of a failure I was through the hardest time in his life. Um, it, it, and, and my regret is that I had not listened or engaged with men like this or engaged with my wife or been on a Bible study or, or had fellows like you Pre, you know, explain, you know, living the word, the hardest possible thing for all of us to do. And we all fall, we all fall short. We all fail. And we've all got stories like that, but that, that just thank you for sharing that because it really hit me when you said it, like I re, it, it, it almost made me start crying again to think about how awful I reacted to that situation.
7: No, th- thanks for sharing that, man. It's tough. I had one older, older gentleman, uh, but da- dad's buddy, who this is actually what I miss most about back where I moved from. But there's this old group of dudes that just were deep in the faith, and we go golfing every Thursday night and then have some dinner together. And and one of them grabbed me on the shoulders right after one of my sons or my, my daughter was born. And he's like, Isn't it awesome that like they're not ours? And I was like, what, (laughs) like, what act is so excited about? Like, what do you mean? And I'm just like, he's like, yeah, man, these kids are gods. And it's like, what a relief, right? (laughs) Like, and I was like, man, that takes like 30 years to get to like that kind of like level of just like, hey, let go and like, 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 let it like have that kind of like faith in God that he's going to take care of your family and that you can't, you can't, you're not going to do a better job than him, you know? And that's the tough part is like, Cause I always think I'm going to like, I know what's right, but thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no. So let's, uh, let's move on. And, and I'm just going to
1: kind of stick going down the road here because it's, it, it's really providing us a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of food for, for chewing on. And so the next one we get to is Luke five and it's 12 through 13. Um, and this is where he heals the, the, the leper and, uh, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. And he said, be healed. And in, in and instantly the leprosy disappeared. You know... It it speaks volume about Jesus and it speaks volume about us and it touches on service and it touches on, you know, the humility. You've got, you know, and in, in, in the time, right? So leprosy, uh, you know, during this time, you, you're outcasted. You 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 are not allowed to be within. By the way, does anyone know what the legal law was for a leper at that time? How far away they had to be away from a from another person?
8: Don't say sixty. I heard eight. it in church show today. Don't <laughs>
1: it's six feet and, and it, it wow. was six feet. So you have Jesus in a crowd and, and, and you have a leper, right? You have the, the, the lowest of the low um, Society's not even allowed to interact with these people and his humility in, in going straight to Jesus. And this is a person who knows that he can't, but his faith, he, he, He has been cast out of all society and he sees his last hope and faith in front of him. And he's willing to humble himself on the ground, face to the ground. And he just says, if you are willing. And he gave himself up at that moment. And Jesus's answer is always, I'm willing. And he touches him, which at the time the people are staring at him. Oh my God, what are you doing? Like, how are you reaching out and touching this guy? And he gets up. And if you go on and read it, he tells him, he says, don't tell anybody. And every, and and most people say, well, why not tell anybody? He says, well, because legalistically at the time, if he could go and show and prove that he did not have leprosy to um, uh, at the temple to the priests, if the priests, they priests could remove him being outcasted. And, and Jesus was basically saying, Hey, don't tell anybody yet. But he was so excited. He ran and told everybody. And I look at this, I, I look at this in 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 two ways. I look at it from being a leper because I feel way more like the leper. I, I feel unworthy most of the time. Um, and, and so I try to view myself being able to go to the ground and have enough faith to crawl my face to Jesus and just say, Hey, you gotta have me, please, whatever you can do. But then I see because of this book, because of what we're studying, I look at what Jesus did and he immediately went to to the guy in the crowd that was the lowest of the low guys. I, I, I lived in, I lived in Houston for a long time and I lived in the city and my kids went to school in, a, in an area of town. They had armed guards at school. Um, you know, you couldn't turn left out of the school because it was you, because it was a gang. It was a, a drug corner. And I spent most of my time in Houston, not looking at the person on the street corner, not letting the guy that comes and knock on my window, not engaging any of them. And so when I'm reading the, when I, I hear leper and I'm thinking to myself, I'm a leper. But then when I think about how Jesus walked and I look at my life, I see how I fall short, right? I want to know how I can look at the lepers in my life that cross my path every day. I fail at it miserably, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, Thank you.
10: (laughs) That's a good point. Um, and I think another way you can look at that is we're all those lepers, all of us. Um, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody maybe been on Twitter the other day. I don't remember who we were talking to, but um, you know, guys, guys, I think men, especially we think if we're not perfect, we shouldn't be at church, you know, cause we don't belong there, but you know, no matter what our imperfections are, and sometimes even because of them, we're, we're the guys Jesus would hang out with, you know, Um, no matter how bad off we are, um, no matter what's in our own lives, he's, we're those lepers that he'd hang out with, you know, it's, it's not too late for any of us. Uh, We're not too far gone at all. Um, You know, he's, he's not going to leave us behind uh, just like that leper just because there's imperfections you know he's not going to turn his back on us so something for everybody to remember we don't have to be perfect to walk with God he's always walked with
6: the imperfect Uh, Christ has always walked with the imperfect Uh, he sought them out so yeah I I mean like he he talks about that right I mean he says that the doctor doesn't come for the healthy he comes for the sick and you know he's not talking about someone that's you know, spiritually, truly healthy. He's, he's talking about the person that thinks that they're perfect, that they're living this perfect life. It's up to us to admit that we are, as many of you guys have mentioned, we fail all the time. You know, we fail our families, we fail in faith, we fail at our jobs. And, you know, it, and it's in this failure that we realize that we need the doctor, we need Jesus. And that's who he came for. It's, it's the person that says, no, 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 I got this all handled, right? That's the person that, doesn't look to god and doesn't realize what they need from him and so yeah you're absolutely right i mean he comes for us and leper gang i love it uh let's get that trending another thing that
4: on twitter right now if you know you know leper gang
8: leper gang <laughs> one thing i took out of it was at the time i mean being a leper was about the single worst thing you could be physically that was pretty much the epitome of the low of the low as we talked about so i think it's a pretty powerful message that at that time if he could cure that he could cure anything else physically and spiritually that broken with people that's a huge thing it wasn't like a i took care of somebody who was straight away from the path no i took somebody who was all the way from the bottom that literally had nowhere else to go and cured him that's a huge sign um and so i i just think it's powerful that he picked the single worst thing historically at that period. You could possibly cure and do that because that leaves nobody, there's nobody left in the gap at that point.
9: Yeah, I think, you know, kind of to my earlier point, it's, it's important to carry to the next step is not only can he cure it, he will use it. I mean, what would the leopard's testimony be if he wasn't a leopard to begin with? Um, so, you know, that, that's been a recent change in my perspective is like the very worst things we've done are the things he can use the most if we, if we bring it to him.
11: Andrew, you uh, got your hand raised. Oh, that was raised from earlier. I don't know how to make it go away. Sorry, but (laughs) uh, well piggyback off of, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch the last fella's name, but you know, he, he turns our morning into gladness.
4: We all just wanted to hear Andrew talk again, and it worked
11: perfect. Thank you, by the way, gentlemen. Uh, I would love to uh, narrate an audio book one of these days once the kids get a little older and I have more time.
2: You can just ride in the car with me on my way to work and read books to me. That would work.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Andrew, you need to read some Wendell Berry books. I'd, I'd pay for it.
8: that voice reading lonesome dove
11: well bring it on fellas
1: all right so let's move on here uh we'll try to wrap up here let's, we've we've been at we'll be at it probably an hour and a half and uh this gives us a good a good basis for it but um there's a little transition here into the in, in into the next verse right so the first first section of of this day, it's really talking about the different circumstances that Jesus was in and um, how he approached um, what he was in. And so the next one, so we're getting back into Matthew and Jesus has been, uh, he's been teaching in a crowd. And um, which one are we on here? We're Matthew 7, 28. And he has gone through the, um, uh, he's talking about building your house on the solid rock versus the sand and the rain and torrential waters. And what Matthew writes here at the end is what I think the author is, he's wanting us to focus on on, on, on what the crowd thought. Um, and it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law.
4: What are your thoughts? I think that the best thing about all that is that Jesus was relating things to people's lives. The, the, the Pharisees in that, when they were in their their teaching the rabbis and all that, they were teaching about rules and laws and you have to do everything through us. We're your conduit. And Jesus said, no, um, you're your own conduit. I'm going to be the conduit for you, but you can do it all yourself. Uh, and, and he was really trying to relate it to how they lived as opposed to, how much they would give to the church and how many rituals they would perform for the church um i say this all the time a lot of faith gets lost in religion they're not the same thing they're not even close so i, uh, I really think that's the key thing that this is speaking to
0: i, think I also think the human perspective um we're very we're very good at reading and picking up on authenticity in people. And uh, it's, you know, hard to be more authentic than the guy who's the book book is about. Right. So I think that um, it's kind of like uh, for lack of a better, that everyone's BS detector was going off all the time. And then when the real thing came around, you know, it looked different. It was like very obviously different at a human level. You know what I mean?
8: later on there's a section when they talk about how all the religious leaders at the time were also shocked at his ability to grasp the teachings so when he's up there and he's given his own interpretations uh, like with talks about in 728 and 29 he's given his own in- interpretations i think that It was refreshing to people, even if it was shocking, only because at that time people didn't stray from it It was very rigid on this is how it is and this is how it is. And when he starts giving his own interpretations of how to interact, how to be with the church, etc. I think he kind of blew the doors off the place. Which let's be honest with ourselves in that time period wasn't exactly the safest thing to do. So I think when they talk about people being astonished by it, I think not only is it the teachings portion of it and how refreshing that was, but also it wasn't safe to do it at that time. And frankly, he didn't care. That wasn't what his his you know point was.
6: Yeah, right. Because like if you stepped out of line, I mean they're going to stone you to death back then. You know this was. And the other thing to remember too is that. For someone to speak with any authority, they generally had to come up underneath one of the other Pharisees, you know, to, to, to speak in a, in a spiritual or biblical sense. And the difference between, between him and all the Pharisees and Sadducees of the day is, you know, they were, they were speaking on somebody else's authority and he was speaking on his own Yeah, he was speaking from his own authority. And that is what truly separated him from, from the other quote unquote spiritual leaders of the day. So, okay,
1: um, everybody's making these, these great points. The, fat, the thing that fascinates me the most about this is that if you're, if you're back in, in, you know if you're 2000 years ago and you're astonished by this guy and you're seeing him in person, right? So you see, so he touches a leper. You know, he, talk, he talks to the woman at the well. He um, is, with the astonishment that they're having, the thing that strikes me the most is that 2000 years later, we can, we're reading about this, right? And there's still the same astonishment, right? When, 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 you, when, you, have this, when you have faith and, and, you, and you, get your, you get into the Gospels and you read about it and you see what his life was like, it, it just, it fascinates me that even in today's world, which is in their mind, they were dealing with the same type of social issues we had. They had war, they had famine, they were trying to feed their families. They weren't, you know, they weren't enraptured in in technology, but I think the evolution of what takes our, um, you know, society has has exploded. They were still distracted and they were still caught up in the wrong things. Um, They were still focused completely away from it. And yet he astonished them then. And yet the same astonishment takes place today. Um, I still feel, you know, I'll read a passage for the 25th time and i'll view it differently and then and, and how it how it applies to my life and so you know i read this and and in my goal right my goal um is to help people who aren't believers to find that astonishment right so i look at it so when i think about how jesus was teaching with his authority i try to i try to find that in me i i'll I'm going to segue really quickly on, um, on Saturday, I I got on a flight. Um, my wife dropped me off at the airport. I walked in, I had 40 minutes until my flight took off. I'm in a small airport in Kentucky. This is not a big deal unless you get to the TSA line. And there is a, and I'm just, I'm going to say it all. A very homely looking 30 year old woman. And she is at the conveyor belt because there's only one. And she is pulling 30 things out of her bag and she will not go through the x-ray machine. She will not do it. She's got waters and lotions and things. And I'm sitting in the back behind 30 people. And this guy next to me, he's like, what is she doing? I was like, I have no idea. And I'm like, I can't believe this person has never flown before. I'm going to miss my flight. And two minutes later, I looked at him and I said, I want to bet you $10 that she gets stopped by TSA, even though she took everything out of her bag. We're making fun of her. And I'm like, this is like driving me nuts. I raced through security. Sure enough, she gets stopped by TSA and they searched her bag again, even though she had gone through it. I frustrated as I go on, I, get, I, I go to get on my flight. Um, I was sitting in seat 1A and seat 1B was available. The flight is getting ready to close the doors and take off. And the captain comes on. He says, we have a weight problem. I need people to move forward. That woman sits down next to me. They moved her from row 20 and put her in the seat next to me. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Ten minutes into the flight, she looks over at me. And on my right hand, I wear, I don't know if you guys can see it, but I wear this ring. And it has a cross on it. And she's on my right. And she sees my ring and she says, and she's, she's from Mexico. And she goes, are you a Christian? I looked at her and I had my earpiece and I took it out and I said, sorry. she said, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. And she goes, that's amazing because I'm a pastor. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a pastor. Yes, you are. And we get to talking and um, her name is Maria Marcos or sorry, Marielle Marcos. She lives in Monterey, Mexico. She was a commercial, uh, sorry, a corporate litigation attorney for 12 years. Um, she worked for a law firm that represented, and she represented clients in, in fraud and embezzlement in court. Very, very successful at a very young age. Comes from a very wealthy family, in Monterey, who has, is they are not Christians. One year ago next week, she quit her law firm one year ago. And she started a church with two people, three members, a pastor and two members. In a predominantly Roman Catholic neighborhood, she's a non-denominational Christian, 35-year-old pastor who walked away from corporate life. And um, we talked for the entire flight. And we talked. I talked about my story about faith. She talked to me about hers. And, and we get in there and she says, I just want to tell you, John, she goes, um, I've never sat in first class and I don't fly a lot. And I laughed and I said, can I tell you a funny story? Because I was making fun of you and I, and I, and I bet you were going to get stopped by TSA. And she's laughing and joking. And, and we go through this and, she, and I said, well, how's your church doing? She said, we have 18 members. I said, that's amazing. And I told her about our Monday night deal. And I told her we were going to start this together as a group. And, and, um, and, and she said, you know, she goes, I want to know what the name of this is. And so I told her, I said, hey, it's called the bunkhouse. And I gave her the website i gave her the book she's ordering this book her and her congregation are going to do this study um in their next round it'll be sometime in the summer she said when they started up she's going to she's called i gave her the author's phone number she's going to see if it's translated in spanish and she's going to do this and uh as as we were getting ready to get up she goes um god worked in me to sit next to you today and she said i don't know why yet she said but I, i she goes i think i have a good idea and she goes um I'm going to ask that your, that your group on Monday nights prays, prays for my church, that we can be, um, be a light. And, I'm going to, and our, our church is going to pray for you all. We're going to pray that, that you guys can find a, a, a faithful return to rugged traditionalism. And uh, I immediately get off the plane and I'm just, I'm stunned, right? Like um, I, I went from being a complete prick, right? A complete impatient, holier than thou, arrogant a-hole in a line, because I'm late, you know, it's my fault that I wasn't there at the hour early to avoid this, um, to having Jesus put this girl next to me and, um, share her story with me willingly talking and kindly talking. Um, I think about, I think about the amazement of Jesus. Well, that amazed me, right? It amazes me that he still works in people and still works on this earth and still works to move in all of us and, and, uh, she makes me want to be better. And I told him, I said, we're at the end of the night, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for your congregation. So that's what I have about me being, that's my one, one story from the last week of me being a complete jerk and, and God reminding me of it. What was your name again? Her name is Marielle marcos mariel marcos yeah all right fellas uh i'm sorry to take up i i I didn't want to dominate that thank you for uh, sharing uh, that it it, it just hit me um matthew 13 54 through 56 and then we'll get through the last questions and we'll uh see how this thing gets wrapped up tonight um It's going to be the next one in line. I'll read her out here. So Matthew 13, 54 through six, he returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get his wisdom and the power to do miracles and the people scoffed? He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother and his brother, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all of these things? Um, Basically, Jesus is in his hometown, and everybody's kind of like, you know, you've got the son, you got the son of God living in your town, and uh, and 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 they're a little blind to it. And here he comes back, and he's this, you know, he's the miracle worker. And I, it's pretty fascinating way for him to end uh, week one, um, week one on us. And uh, I figured I'd see what everybody thought about that.
2: The closest I can get to that or any sort of idea about that is um, maybe a little bit about the change that goes on within us as we either initially become a Christian or as we start to take a deeper dive into our faith, maybe um, something gets changed inside of us that to people who may have known us for a long time, maybe it makes us a little bit unrecognizable to them because we've changed in, in such a manner. We're doing things that they're like, well, we knew you before this and you know, you weren't like this. So, you know, what gives? I think it all speaks to the fact
8: of it doesn't matter where he got his wisdom. That was one of the things that they talked about. Um, You know, how could he, how could he understand all these things? He wasn't taught traditionally. How how could he have this wisdom? And in the end, his wisdom was correct. You know, what he did was right. Um, And so, I think there was a disbelief on how he could be that way, which I think the disbelief was wrong. The astonishment should have been that he was wise, not the how did he become wise. I think that's something everybody who finds God goes through at some point. It's one of those, well, I don't understand how he could do this or how this he understands this or he could do that. You're not meant to understand it all. But the fact that he is right in it is the point.
11: Yeah, so um I'm a PK. My father uh was a Baptist preacher for uh, quite a few years and it's it's interesting because I can directly see, you know, what what you know, what's already been referred to and what's referred to here. My father uh became a pastor at the First Baptist Church in a little town that we grew up in. Uh, but he came into the ministry a little later in life, you know, he fought the call. Um, uh, and so he didn't get into the ministry full-time until he was in his thirties. Um, and when he got called to, uh, to serve there at the little church in the little town we were in, it was at the same church that he grew up in as a small child. And so then everybody is you know uh, are proud that he's there they're happy to have him. but there at the beginning there was often comments and whispers and things said about well we remember what he used to do we remember about him you know running around and drinking beer and chasing girls and we know what his daddy used to do and you know so that took a little time for that to kind of for dad to get kind of past some of that. And I think there, again, that's kind of what Christ is dealing with here because they're not even a, you know, there's no acknowledgement here of his heavenly father. There's no acknowledgement here of just what, if you could run back there and to, to chapter uh, where were we at just down chapter five there, chapter seven, excuse me, chapter seven, the passage just above where we read last, you know, um, Jesus is telling them he is the son of God in uh, chapter seven, there, verses 21 through 23 there, you know, he's flat out saying, I am the son of God. I am the Lord. They're not paying any attention to what he's actually saying or else they would not be asking him these questions here. Now granted, it's probably a different audience, but the people in Nazareth, I'm sure they heard some of these same teachings from Christ previously, but they couldn't get past the fact that they knew his father and then his mother and his father was just a lowly carpenter.
7: Yeah. I, I would say like one thing that put, that I always like to point out about this is that in my opinion, I think that when they're bringing up the fact that he's, isn't he the son of the of the carpenter and his mother's Mary, i i think they're 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 directly calling him a bastard at this point like they're just saying this is that bastard kid like that that was born to that one like whore you know essentially and i think that it's it's not it's it shouldn't that shouldn't be over like it's it's kind of dramatic it's like how 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 what a pro like uh that story was, that's just to me, the, the scandal of Christ in that specific part of it is is, is a huge deal. And it's, an, it's it's kind of just looked at like, oh, well, they went off and got married in secret or whatever, whatever like they made it okay. But like, because that's the church way to talk about it. It's like, oh, well yeah, but Joseph was a good guy and adopted him. But it's like, dude, no, he grew up like probably gotten like ridiculed. And like, that's the thing that they're looking at too here what this is like, what status does this guy have? Why, what wisdom should he have? Why should he have any of this wisdom? It's not like he's like one of these priests. He's just some bastard. Like who cares? And I think that's such a oh an interesting thing because I mean all even all the disciples. I mean they're all they're all blue collar folk, you know. And it's and it's a great or not all of them, but you know, like, there's a there's a few tax collectors and stuff. But um, but yeah, no that that that's such a. Such an interesting perspective on, on the situation that, that the context kind of helps think about that, how much they they actually are putting him down. And then they're offended of the verse 30 or 58 says that 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 they were just offended or not 58, 57. They were offended at, at him, which is like Twitter, Twitter hands. Those are Twitter <laughs> figures, right? <laughs> I'm offended at you. <laughs> <laughs>
8: If he hadn't have been the son of a carpenter, would his message have been as powerful? If he was the, if he was raised by the king, would his message have carried the same weight? I just don't think so. There's a reason why he was born to a carpenter. I mean, it just is what it is.
6: Yeah, I mean, everything about his life was humble, right? From where he was born to who his parents were to, you know, everything. And it was, he was, he was humble in everything that he did. He was humble in the way that he approached his message until it was time to not be humble. It was told until it was time to go in and turn the tables in the temple. And, you know, that was, that was something that, you know, we get into a little bit later um, in the following days where, you know, he, and initially he started to kind of hide himself because his work wasn't done yet. And when I say hide himself, I mean, from the Pharisees, he avoided the conflict because it wasn't the right time. He controlled that interaction. And when it was the right time, when it was time to not, you know, for him to be righteous in his anger, you know, then it was time for him to show himself for who he truly was. And that it, you know, and that's our Christ. And you know, it's it's for us to remember too that if we're to follow his model, and that's really what this is about, is is, you know, if you look at what is is talked about here in this, it's it's the message, the method, and the model. And if we're to follow his model humility and humble, you know, and being humble uh, in, in our daily lives is really one of the big challenges, I think, that that is being presented to us in this first week of study.
9: And uh, I think it's important to point out the more he was truly authentic and humble, um, you know, the more the world found something to come after him at, you know, it started with you know, who, the thing we can control the least, who his parents were instead of, you know, what he was actually saying or who he actually was, uh, you know, the more you draw closer to God, you know, the world will find something to come after. And if they can't, ultimately they crucify it. So <laughs> I know that's probably not <laughs> encouraging, but uh, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that and kind of our walk here.
7: I mean, it's not encouraging to think that like Christ, you know, like did everything right and they just killed him. But like, it still made the world a better place because of that. And I think that's kind of like what good, like just as another example of good men doing good things makes the world a better place, even if it isn't, you know, you, you know, uh, great for you in particular. Which kind of goes back to the like dying to yourself thing. It's like the the things that we. I feel very discouraged sometimes not thinking about, like, how, like, if I'm, the the sacrifices I'm making for my life are ever appreciated, and that that kind of goes back to just me needing selfish, like, you know, like praises or something, but, like, there is, you know, the encouragement should be that, like, doing the Lord's work is, is like eternal like work it's not like things like building a house your house will not be here in 50 years or 100 years when something bursts down like if you change someone's life and they go to heaven like that's work god's that's god's work like that's if you if you help someone get out of like a dire circumstance and point them towards the lord like that's that's a huge if you're raising kids that that in the ways of the lord and you want to help them like that stuff is it it affects legacies and like generations of people and and I could and I've seen like that like throughout history, like you see like families were like changed by one man and then it's like completely different direction, but like everyone there gone forward is like on in a better way, like living better lives because of that one man. And and it might have sucked for that person, but those are, it's 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 powerful. It's and it's awesome. And you guys are all that doing that, like everyone here like should be encouraged by that it's because it's, you know, it sucks sometimes just picking up the shovel and and trucking through life and trying to do the right thing.
3: Uh, Another verse I wanted to bring up for uh, walking as Christ walked. It was uh, from Second Peter, chapter 1. and It goes from verses 5 through 8. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, vir- to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, and make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we on to 9, verses 9 and 10. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall.
1: Well, fellas, um, we've been at an hour and forty minutes. I, I I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect tonight, but I didn't expect this, and and uh, it's, it's more it's I couldn't have pictured a better start to this, and uh, couldn't couldn't imagine a better group of fellows to do it with. I really appreciate y'all joining. Um, I'm I'm in this for the journey, and uh, I, and I'm I'm here to learn from from y'all. And Braxton, uh, I didn't say this at the beginning, but I, I want to thank you um, for putting together the bunkhouse and just encourage you and, and lift you up for what you are doing. And you've 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 taken a big uh, burden on your shoulders, and, and I don't know if you know it or not, but you're you're actually living you're living out the the service part of what we're talking about tonight, and you're um, you're encouraging men uh, to be better for their families and their kids. And it, it's on your back that you've put the form together. We wouldn't be doing this. None of us would be together tonight if you had not put the platform together to bring us all together. Um, it's it's a blessing that you've done it. And I thank you for it.
0: Thank you, sir. And thank you for um, hosting this. This has been, been very cool. And I really appreciate it. And I needed this in my life. So thank you. I appreciate it. So we... Um, I didn't think we'd get through through week one
1: tonight. Um, I didn't, I didn't know how, how it would go. So we we got through week one. And, uh, for those of you that did not have your books, I hope you followed along. Um, it'll give you a really good idea of where we're going to get to next week, this week two. Um, I'm going to change the, uh, I'll change the deal in, uh, uh, the bunkhouse. I'll, I'll, I'll start a new forum tab for, for, for this session. And as we go through our week, if anybody needs encouragement or, uh, wants to wants to chat Bible, um add it in there and we'll all see it and uh and and we'll get after it. Um thank you all again. And listen, uh I'm gonna ask Mr. Joe Dolio uh to pray us out tonight. And if he'll include my 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 newfound friend from the airport in there and and in her church, I'd
4: appreciate it. Joe, you up for it? I am. I certainly am. I even made a note because I knew you were probably gonna do that to me. Uh <laughs> all right. Heavenly Father, I want want to thank you so much. Um, As much as we're giving thanks to to John and and Braxton for doing this, we know that it was really you that put this together. You put it on John and Braxton's heart, and they did the hard work uh, to advance your kingdom. And we know that you hand-selected every man in this group to put them together in the right spot at the right time so we could learn from each other. Uh, We're so grateful for your word. We're grateful for your example. We're grateful for the sacrifice of your son. We admit that we're we are we're all broken men, and we all um, have some road to travel. We have bridges to cross, fences to mend, and we have a ways to go to, to become the men that you want us to be. But this is a good step. We're heading along the right way. So, Father, we would ask that you continue to help us all grow and help us all learn and help us come together as a, as a family of brothers who are there for each other, not just in this study, but outside of it. Uh, that we, we claim that responsibility you give us as the leaders of our families uh, and that we, we, we take charge there. Uh, we would ask that you watch over uh, Muriel, Muriel Marcos and her congregation that is already growing by leaps and bounds. And it's already grown by nine times. Let's let it grow by another nine times. And then nine times after that, um, bless her work and, and, and bless, bless her answering your call. Uh, we all get these little nudges and we all need to learn that that nudge is important but God gives us the free will to make that decision. And she did it. She's living out more faith than the rest of us. So so we ask for your blessings on her and her congregation and really grow her church and help them learn through this same study uh, and hopefully all grow together. Uh, Continue to bless this group. Let this group continue to to learn and and grow as men and and come together closer and closer. ask that you look after the people in ukraine and uh give them uh what safety you can watch over them protect them and hope that maybe cooler heads may prevail and in the bigger sense that they they prevail in canada and that they prevail in china and taiwan um and this entire crazy place that's falling apart and and sure the elephant in the room is right here uh we, we would hope that your your guiding hand and your guiding principles that founded this country would find their way back into Washington, D.C. and turn us back from the edge we stand on today, uh, because we really do. This place is the last best hope for man on earth, and we ask that uh, it not go over that edge, and it remain the place for spiritual freedom that we have here today. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time, and we look forward to having this time again next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
9: Amen. Amen.
6: You're muted, John. We'll talk to (laughs) you.
4: I just said the most profound thing of the night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave it on
1: that. I'll talk to you all next Monday.
0: Okay. (laughs) Thank you, sir.
1: Good
6: Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Hey, good night, guys. Take care.